Mrs. Ingham's ideas and Jill's additions to those, there's just a cultural richness and a joy that's embedded in there, wouldn't you say? Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing, or as many like to say, IEW. My name is Julie Walker, and I'm honored to serve Andrew and IEW as the Director of Marketing. Our goal here is to equip teachers and teaching parents with methods and materials which will aid them in training their students to become confident and competent communicators and thinkers. So welcome to our listeners, and welcome to Jill Pike, and welcome to Andrew Poudois for today's podcast. Another podcast. Yes, it is. So Jill is here with us in our recording studio, which also substitutes as a conference room on occasion. And she is a longtime friend of yours, Andrew, and of IEW. She's done a lot of great work for us. We are here to talk about the primary arts of language which is a product that she developed over the years. But I thought before we pepper her with some questions, I thought I'd give our listeners some context of my experience and then give, have you give your experience with your background with the Blended Soundsight program of learning. So it was actually in 2007 when, Andrew, you asked me to go up to Gruard, Alberta, which is very far north in Alberta. I think the sun finally set that August at about 1 (laughs) a.m. I was worried that I wasn't going to get there before dark, and actually don't know that it ever got dark. But while there, I learned from Dr. Webster the blended structure and style program at the same time that Mrs. Ingham and her daughter, Shirley George, were teaching the blended soundsite program of learning. And it was so fascinating to watch all of these elementary, primary school teachers put together their materials, build their games. They were just having great fun. And I came home and said, Andrew, we have got to look at this blended soundsite program. It looks wonderful. (laughs) And that was in 2007. And at the time you said, oh, that just sounds like so much work. Well, thankfully, Jill was able to take on that work. And it was actually in 2011 that we started publishing these primary arts of language based on Anna Ingham's the blended soundsite program. Yes, a major accomplishment. A major accomplishment. And Jill, you have had children who've struggled with learning to read, and you have tried lots of things, I know. And so your experience combined with Mrs. Ingham's experience and then uh, focusing in on what can a mom do at home? What can a tutor do with a one or two children? The results have just been fantastic. So congratulations on that. We have the, the PAL reading and we have the PAL writing. And so give us a little background on how you conceptualized and de- designed the materials as they are in the two sets there. Well, my first introduction to the Blended Soundsite Program of Learning was through your seminar, Teaching Writing Structure and Style. You mentioned people up in Canada and that there was this program. And I've had multiple dyslexics in my family, but my five or six-year-old at the time was worse than any of the rest of them. So I was desperate. So I got Anna Ingham's 
big purple book. Mm-hmm. The yep, Soundsite I've got program it right learning. here. The Blended Soundsite Program of Learning. Can use it for uh, weight. Yeah, don't don't uh, drop it on your exercises. Toe. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a tome. And uh, you know, she had said everything is in there, and everything was in there. But nothing was laid out for what to do on Monday. You know, you, you had the opportunity to make your games, but it was unclear exactly how to play them, and you needed to create a sound city. And, you know, there was so much creation to do, and I wasn't able to go up to Gerard for two weeks to do all that work. So I wrestled with the book and played with it to try to find materials for my dyslexic daughter. And I was astounded how what little I did pull out of the book and actually create solved her problems. She ended up being able to finally learn her letter sounds without difficulty. I had tools to help her. And so, you know, I kept kind of playing with it over the years, working with her as well as her younger sibling to try and develop some materials that were useful for me. So when you all contacted me to create a product that would be useful for other families, I started taking my bits and pieces and pulling them together and putting lesson plans with it. I was fortunate that my oldest daughter was in design school and had learned to be an artist, so she was able to do all the artwork for me for for the program and really make it very cute. And it is. It's it's cute without being cutesy, and it's it's clear, but it's fun. And that's what a lot of people have said. It's fun. So that was a great accomplishment. What else would you say is different between Mrs. Ingham's approach to teaching reading and, say, any one of the other phonics-based programs. I won't name them, but there are, I'm sure you came across several in your pursuit, and uh, they're always out there. But what, what makes the PAL special? It's in the title of Anna's book, The Blended Sound Sight Program of Learning. She discovered that when you try to teach the sounds divorced from words, children don't make the connection. And my difficulty with teaching the dyslexic was you tend to start with short vowels and CVC or consonant vowel consonant words and everything goes along swimmingly until you introduce those long sounds and then the bajillion digraphs, the the vowel pairs, and the dyslexic throws up their hands in despair that how do you know which letter does what? Uh, The other thing is the approach to how you actually read a word. So many programs, you simply start at the left and you work your way through letter by letter. Mm-hmm. But because of the vowel blends, you really need to look at the whole word, determine its pattern, how many syllables, whether there's any, we call them helpers or the, the digraphs. And then once you've determined what the pattern is, then you can sound out the word. And so it gives the dyslexics much clearer direction for being able to read. And of course, students that aren't struggling with reading it all, just explode and are able to read anything very rapidly because everything is presented right at the start instead of having to wait three years before you get through all the phonograms. Mm -hmm. So you, Jill, actually said that you look at the pattern and then try and figure out the number of syllables. When I listen to that, that sounds very complicated. Now, I taught first and second grade before I was actually homeschooling my own children, so I did have the joy and sometimes challenge of teaching children to read. But your program, our program, IEW's PAL, Primary Arts of Language, it's not complicated because you made it fun. 
Exactly. Things are taught incrementally at point of need. It sounds very complicated, but actually it's very simple because everything is presented one little piece at a time. And the lesson plans are laid out for you so that you don't have to understand the entire process. You can learn it right along with your children. For instance, one of the digraphs or vowel pairs is AI. You would find it in a word such as train. And whenever you see AI together, AI says A in the middle of words. So notice how not only did I teach the phonetic sound, but I also taught a spelling rule. So they're learning lots of things at once, and you're going to repeat that a thousand times as you find it in words, as you put a little sticker on the phonetic farm that AI goes in with a long A haystacks. And you know, students, all of a sudden, every time they see AI, are going to be really excited that this says A. And so each of those digraphs is taught incrementally with a significant amount of repetition so that all this becomes very easy. And not just easy, but fun and exciting. These become their friends because they're all personified instead of these boring letters that don't make any sense. Right, and then when you said AI and it goes on a haystack, Andrew, it makes me think of your spelling in the brain talk where you're talking about Sound City and how Mrs. Ingham had Sound City. So describe that because I know that Jill has a component of that in the Pal. Right. Well, the Sound City, Mrs. Ingham had, took up a whole wall of a classroom. Mm-hmm. And the idea was to present an external system for organizing the information that was being stored internally in the, in the brain using imagination. So the, ha- the words lived in houses. And the houses were kind of like families, although we didn't use that term per se, uh, such as the O-W. O-W says ow in the middle of words, and you have the brown clowns who live downtown, and they're all in that house. Whereas you have the O-W says uh, O at the end of words, uh, they always throw yellow snow. So you could have a battle between the brown clowns who live downtown and those who are always throwing yellow snow. And so this type of little picture game idea would lock that information uh, with the intensity that meant you didn't need as much of the repetition or the frequency. And so when I first saw it, I thought, this is genius, because it's easy to see this complex organization of words. And then that that creates a set where you can lock something to it. So, for example, you know, if you're if you're a kid, and you're learning words like street, E-E, and treat, E-A, there is absolutely no logical reason why one is one way and one is the other way. So how do you deal with seemingly random stuff? You de-randomize it. Mm. You attach it to something else you know. So if you know that queen and bee and pee the kind you eat all say E, Then you stick street with that, and you get an image of a queen being chased by bees down the street. So then you can add more ee, says e words, in your mind to that existing set. Likewise, treat, ea, says e, as in leaf, or bean, or pea, the kind you eat, right? And so now you can put treat with that set of words, and it de-randomizes it, do you see? So we know from the study of memory that the way to memorize things that are hard to remember because they're somewhat random or arbitrary, at least in a child's mind, 
is to make connections. And I think that's the great brilliance of Sound City, making connections between groupings, sounds, letters, words, in an environment that all children can relate to with buildings. And you can get very elaborate. We even had, good heavens, an airport where the that was the Fair Hair Airport. Everyone went to the airport to get a haircut. I don't know why. It just came out <laughs> that way. I tell the story, you have to have a jail in Sound City because mm-hmm. there's some words that just always break the rules. And uh, so we had uh, ballet, chandelier, and escargot were all in jail because it should be ballet, chandelier, and escargot, right? Mm-hmm. Right. But they're French words. So one day in my Sound City, I had a jailbreak. And the French words escaped and ran over to the French embassy, which I built on the edge of Sound City for all those words that didn't belong comfortably in, in English. And so you can just play with the thing. Now, obviously, that's a huge thing to undertake. And so I think what Jill did, that idea, uh, take it off the wall, right, and shrink it down to where it's manageable for a mom and a five, six-year-old, and we get the phonetic farm. But same basic idea. Exactly. And so the the farm itself lives in a trifold folder that can easily set up on a table and be used. And then they also have a word book so that mothers like me who didn't quite have the energy to put those words together, (laughs) we could make a word list. And every time we ran across a word with a certain spelling, we could create lists. And then you have a bunch of words and then you could go through and, and do that or they could use those word lists as a spelling dictionary. And then that leads us, of course, into the PAL writing, because spelling and reading are so connected, and spelling is part of that process of learning to write when you're five, six years old. So give us a rundown of the components in each of the two programs, and how they could be used, I assume, independently of each other or together. PAL stands for the Primary Arts of Language. You spoke on reading and writing, but it also encompasses listening and speaking. So the reason there are two packages is somehow some parents manage to teach their three-year-olds to read. I never had that experience, (laughs) but some children are just ripe for learning to read and they didn't need the reading portion, but they did need a primary level writing program. So that's the only reason they're separate. They really are intended to be used together. And even if your child's reading, using the reading portion will solidify the phonics, especially as they work for spelling. So as they're learning their letters, they're learning how to print. Once they are able to print, they do copy work. While you're working on copy work, they learn uh, bits about grammar, what nouns are, what verbs are, and we play with the IEW dress-ups, strong verbs, quality quality adjectives, and they have a lot of fun just developing word lists. And then once the copy work is going well, they can move on into IEW writing. So when they get to the writing, the student can be working fairly independently or the mother can do all the scribing and the student can use that for copy work if necessary. So it goes through the beginning IEW units, units one and two, so they are taking keywords, doing little oral reports from their keyword outlines, that's the speaking part, and then turning that keyword outline into a paragraph. They also learn how to do stories, so they spend a lot of time orally 
dissecting stories into their three parts using the story sequence chart, and then they can eventually write those out. And they also do Unit 7 creative writing, just taking a single topic of something they know about, their violin lesson, their pet cat, and turning that into a paragraph uh, using a keyword outline, and then taught to turn those into little letters. And imagine grandma loving getting a, dear grandma, my cat is the fluffiest cat ever, and a whole (laughs) little paragraph about their kitty, love, Sally. So it covers primary level writing and in a fun way that the kids can succeed at. Now we we say level P, which is our pre-level A, which is our materials with grade three to five reading level. So we look at this as at a K2. But you know, I, this is interesting. I'm, I'm sure you've heard this as well. I have heard stories of parents who bought this for a five-year-old and discovered that a nine-year-old who was still struggling with reading enjoyed it just as much and improved, and vice versa. Someone who bought it for you know, an eight or nine-year-old who's struggling with, with reading and writing and then the five-year-old who just by osmosis, just being in the environment, got involved and, and pulled it out. So it really has quite a, a broad range of application. And, and we tend to think of, you know, kindergarten, age five, grade one, six, grade two, seven. But I think we can, we can think much more generally. It's the first steps. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Each lesson is tied together with poetry. And so when I was pulling this together and determining if the lessons would work, I used it on all my children. And I had kindergarten through sophomore in high school. And <laughs> everyone loved it. And I was astounded that even these simple little poems were delightful for our older children to enjoy. And my older children thoroughly enjoyed the little lessons that I was doing with the younger ones. They never left the room. So they were cementing their spelling skills, learning how to help their little sister with her program, and they thought it was fun. When when I put the games together, I wanted to make sure they worked, so I took them to my high school level co-op, and I passed them all out, and I said, put the games together and play them. I want to make sure the instructions make sense. And it was hysterical. All around the room, I could hear, oh, I did it, I did it. (laughs) So therefore, you know, it really is ageless, and parents have used this with... 10, 11-year-olds who were struggling to read, and they were delighted to finally have a program that helped them. So it's cute and darling for the little guys, but older children love it just as much. And like I said, there's nothing really cutesy or insulting about it. So it has a broad range. You know, Mrs. Ingham often said that poetry is the great integrator. Why do you think that is? How is it that poetry is this kind of glue that connects listening and speaking and reading and writing? Well, first of all, poetry is delightful because you can all enjoy listening to it. But as you read a poem, you can pull out the phonics of the different words. You can talk about the science of asters, you know, how flowers grow or whatever's in the poem can pull out. It can be an art lesson. It can be a story. It can be any subject can be discussed using poetry as an integrator. What I love about what you just described right there and what you mentioned, Andrew, is that POW integrates so many things that we have talked about over this last year. We've talked about memory and part of 
what these students are doing is memorizing those poems. We talked about the importance of poetry. We talked about the importance of copy work. We talked about the importance of motivation and games and using games as a part of learning. And so many of those things are included. Now, these were all included in Mrs. Ingham's program, but not put together in a way that a homeschool mom could actually know what to do with. And that's what I love about what you've done, Jill, is made Mrs. Ingham's great work actually accessible to homeschool moms. Now, one thing, you know, speaking now as the marketing director, when I look at how we've packaged these, one thing we did not do is we did not spend a lot of money working with a game design company to create these games so that they're prepackaged and ready to go. In some ways, this program isn't exactly open and go, but it's affordable and it's really easy. You open up that game book, you rip out a couple pages, you slap them onto some file folders, maybe you cut out a piece or two and bam, they're done. And those older students can help make them and they can color them, super easy to do and yet very affordable for the average homeschooling family. It's a lot better than so many electronic devices Mm. that divorce children from people. The games are delightful because they can play with mom or they can play with a sibling. They get to put it together. There's the tactile touching of paper. There's the opportunity to color and make it their own. So there's so much more creativity and personality in the program than you would in just an app. And we're finding the research that we were just talking about recently, paper and pen, what the research says, that children who write letters on paper learn to identify them much faster than children who simply are looking at them and trying to identify them. But that brings up something I almost forgot to mention is the letter stories. I love the letter stories. So imagine a small letter A and it's got a little ponytail on the back. That's what that that thing is on the back of the A. And that letter says, ah, ah, because the little boy is pulling her ponytail and she says, ah, ah. And you know, you've got a letter story for every letter that helps a child remember both how it's made, but also how it sounds. Yeah, we better give a warning there. This is kind of a traditional program. It is a traditional program. And some people might be disturbed (laughs) at the stereotypes involved with a boy having to pull the ponytail of a girl. (laughs) You know, the modern world might want to reverse that or something. Mrs. Ingham's ideas and Jill's additions to those There's just a cultural richness and a joy that's embedded in there, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. And you, if you don't like my particular story... And and make up your own. (laughs) And exactly, because they're not written on the cards. You can personalize the story. My favorite was the draggy leg letter. That's what Sarah's could not remember the letter G for the life of her, except this is, you make his head and his broken leg underneath him, and he goes, guh, guh, as he goes across the floor taught it to her once and she had it. You could act that one out all day if you're a little (laughs) kid. The other thing uh, I think was part of the key to rapid success. I mean, this product exceeded my anticipation for how quickly people would Mm -hmm. start talking about it and getting excited, was you made a video, right? You made a DVD that shows exactly what to do. And I think that, you know, they say the picture is worth a thousand words, the video is worth... 10 times that because, oh, I can watch it. Oh, I can do this with my children. I can put this together and make it work. So I thank you for your work on that video as well. 
Oh, you're welcome. And I think that helped a lot of moms because you're probably thinking, there are a lot of pieces to this. How in the world do I put it together? And on the video, I simply have your products in front of you and I will show you how to how to put it together and also how to use it each day. And so it it is has turned out to be very simple for people to use. And now I hope Julie won't get <laughs> mad if I ask the question, but I heard that you are working on a cursive module for the PAL writing. Is that true? Yes. I've been wanting to do something along the lines of letter stories for cursive, and it's it's a little different, it's a little older, but it still could be used for the primary level, and same kind of thing. It'll be a African theme for the, the cursive letters. Neat. One thing I learned recently in the process of this uh, paper and pen talk was that a hundred some years ago, and, and previous to that, people always learned cursive first. That learning printing and manuscript only came into schools after typewriters came into existence. But before that, everyone learned cursive first, and that it's in many ways possibly an easier way for children to learn to write because they more naturally will make curves and circles than they will straight letters. And then, of course, all the research to show how cursive writing reduces letter reversals because of course the the whole kinesthetic feeling say of making a b and a d are so different than if you are using the stick and the ball okay which side do you go to left or right so i think that will be very nice to have that cursive option for the younger grades because a lot of the cursive material is kind of designed for when do we start traditionally? Third grade? Second or third grade. Second or third grade. And do that for three or four or five years in third grade. Of course, now they're eliminating it entirely. Mm. Although some school districts have swung back around. But having a cursive first option, I think, will be a blessing to many families. So I hope you find time to keep working on that. Jill, we have no lack of products and projects to keep you busy but we're really grateful for this one. And thanks for joining us here. Do you have any closing comments for our listeners? The most important thing is not to be afraid to get started and not to feel like you have to do it perfectly. I think that's what kills moms is that they feel like they have to do the perfect thing. And the nice thing with PAL, it lets you start slowly. You don't have to do every lesson every day. You can stretch it out or slow it down or whatever. But starting early is the best thing that you can do for your child because as they go through the different units of IEW over and over again every year, they can internalize them and have them at their disposal much sooner than if you wait till their third, fourth grade before you begin writing. And there's so much you can do orally with your child, even if they can't put pen to paper. So don't let that stop you. So there you have it, the program for the primary arts of language, listening, speaking, reading, and writing. Thanks for joining us. You are very welcome. Thanks so much for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, you can subscribe to this podcast in iTunes or Stitcher, or just visit us each week at IEW.com slash podcast. Until then, on behalf of Andrew Poudois and the team at IEW, I thank you for the privilege of allowing us to partner with you on this educational journey toward better listening, speaking, reading, writing, and thinking. Thank you.